yesterday and dinner last night wasn't good enough for me. I'll, we'll go to dinner today. How's that? There you go.
Good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing an old hymn of the church. You'll find this in your hymn book or on the screens. The song simply just says, There's victory in Jesus. Let's worship together. With his redeeming 
you're glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm going to ask the ushers at this time if they'll make their way. And this morning we're going to take up our morning tithes and offerings. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we just love you and we glorify your name today. Father, I pray that you would be with us, Lord, in everything that we say and do. Lord, I pray you would bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that don't. If there's someone here today who cannot give, Lord, I pray you would bless them so at some point in time they could. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts, every person that's in this place. God, every song that is sung, note that is played, scripture that is read, message that is given, be for the advancement and the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. For that, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And together, the people of God said, Amen. 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 Let's come and give our tithes at this time. God bless. temple to give you glory, Lord. back to your seats this morning. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're going to ask those that are coming to lead scripture and prayer. They're on their way to make it at this time. They're going to lead us in scripture and prayer. Merely following the scripture and prayer, we'll jump right back in uh, to worship this morning. So worship with Brother Rand as he leads us in our scripture and prayer time. I'm busy running my mouth back there. I'm sorry. But then that's just the way I am. You know, I had a scripture picked out this morning studied it last night everything and this morning i opened my bible and the lord said no you're going to read this one and i went okay lord you got it after the lesson this morning uh talking about what you have to do to be saved trust in the lord jesus he died for you rose again 
there for the forgiveness of sins. All you got to do is trust him. We don't make it complicated. You don't have to I used to tell my Sunday school class, you know, turn around three times, jump on one leg, jump on the other leg, spit. You know, we can make it complicated. But it's grace free. All you have to do is accept it. And if you're willing to accept it, take Jesus into your heart, he'll take care of the rest of it. Don't worry about people. Let the Lord take care of it. So, this morning, Psalms 134, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. Not long, not complicated, a blessing to the Lord for all that he's done. And he's really done a lot for me. Other people in this congregation have done a lot for I know there's been a death in the congregation last night. Uh, we'd like to pray for that family, uh, Sister Will's family, and be with them. I know that uh, in uh, another week, a uh, week and a half, there's going to be a homegoing service for Brother Chambers uh, who passed. There's others that uh, could use a touch from God. Some of them aren't uh, churched, but we have an opportunity to reach out and touch and accept people for who they are. Let God do the work. You know, our job is fishers of men. We're supposed to catch them and reel them in and bring them in. We're not supposed to clean them. That's God's job. So let's praise the Lord for all he's done for us. Lift him up and let other people see it. When you walk around, have a happy countenance. You're a Christian. You're saved. What have you got to worry about? Let the Lord take care of everything else. And let people, I, I would hate for anybody to go, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be like that. That's not what we want. We want them to go, I want to be like that. So let's praise the Lord. Let's go to him in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for everything you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for lifting us up and touching us. We thank you for being with us and helping us. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done for us because, Lord, without you, we'd have nothing. Lord, I thank you for every touch every person that you have been with today, for everyone that's sick today, that you're standing by their bedside, reaching out and touching them, Lord, lifting them up. For every child that's sick, for every family that's traveling, for traveling mercies for them, Lord. I know our pastor's getting ready to go to a camp meeting. I pray that you will be with him, Lord, as he travels and keep your angels round about him. There's so many others, Lord, that are here and there and yon. We've got young people that are in Arkansas and traveling around. Pray that you'll be with them and provide them traveling mercies. Lord, just continue to abide with each of us in our everyday walk with you. Help us when we're at work. Help us when we're at home. Help us when we're at school. Just continue to abide with us, we pray in Jesus' holy, precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's stand all over the house again this morning. Let's go back into worship. This song just simply says we're going to give him the glory and give him the praise. Let's worship together.
today, church. Oh, we love you, Lord.
that today, church. Lord, we love you, Lord, and we praise your name. We glorify the Lord in your name. We pray today that, Lord, you would just speak to our hearts. God, that is our prayer that you can use us, Lord. Lord, should you call our name, Lord, we want to simply just answer yes. Lord, yes to your will. Yes, Lord, we'll say yes to you today. Let that be our prayer today. We love you, Lord.
life today, Lord, today. Lord, whatever your will is for our lives, Lord, we surrender them to you. Lord, nothing else matters but your presence. Lord, I pray that there's someone here today, Lord, that needs to know you. God, you make yourself real to them today. And Lord, they hear the call of God on their life. Whatever their plans that you have, the plans to prosper them, give them a hope and a future, Lord, they would just surrender to you today. And they would just simply declare and decree today that to you, Lord, they would say yes. Let that be their heart's cry today. So I'll say. Father, let that be our prayer today, that where you lead us, Lord, we will go. And then ultimately, God, our hearts cry should be, I'll say yes. I'll say yes to your will. I'll say yes to your ways. I'll surrender my life to you, Lord. I will simply just say, if you can use anything, Lord, yes, you can use me. God, let that be our prayer today. Let that be our cry today. We can be counted upon. By Jesus Christ, 
we'll say yes to the call of God in our life. Father, as we get ready to hear in just a moment, break the bread of life. God, I pray you would prepare the hearts that are in this house today, that they would hear the word of the Lord. Father, I pray that you would just speak to us in the solemnness and secrecy of this hour and this moment. God, I commit everything that we've done so far, every song we've sung, every note we've played, every scripture that has been read. God, it goes back to credit to you. And I commit it into your arms at this moment. In Christ's name I pray and ask, and together the people of God said amen. Amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Acts chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me just make a couple quick announcements to you. Uh, obviously, uh, you know that we have a lot of stuff going on on our property around our campus. Uh, we are moving graduation Sunday till next Sunday. A lot of the graduates had to be out of town today. But tonight starts camp meeting. Uh, and so we won't have PM service tonight here, but you can stream camp meeting online just like you do our services. Uh, you can go to the South Carolina Church of God Facebook page. You can go to the South Carolina Church of God YouTube page. Or you can go to the South Carolina www.sccog.org, and they'll be streaming it live right off their website. So you'll be able to see all of the services. Uh, Dr. Tim Hill, our general overseer, will be tonight. Our first assistant, Dr. Tony Stewart will be tomorrow night. Uh, Pastor Tommy Bates from Independence, Kentucky will be on Tuesday night. Uh, and Pastor Anthony Pelt from Cocoa Beach, Florida will be on Wednesday night. And uh, our morning Bible teacher is uh, State Overseer uh, Dr. Stan Holder. Uh, he will be with us uh, for our morning Bible time together. So you're more than welcome to uh, stream that as well. Don't forget, if you have an RSVP, please do so for the 30th anniversary so we know how to account for food. And all of that stuff. As always, I mentioned we are always, we've got a budget now, a, a line item for building fund. We are growing. We are moving. Things are happening. But we, uh, we're going to have to look at options and spacing and things down the road for storage and all kinds of things. So be mindful of that as you give uh, your tithes and your offerings uh, unto the Lord. If you also would like to help us with offsetting VBS, VBS was quite an expense this year. I didn't really push a lot of money. But if you want to help us offset the cost of VBS, you can do so. Just put on your tithing envelope, VBS. We have, uh, we had a lot of kids. We had 64, 65, uh, a couple nights on VBS on our property with almost 25, 26 kids. And I mean, it's just a lot of, a lot of stuff happening around our campus. And so it was exciting, but uh, it costs to pull off the props and the, the, the food and the activities. It just costs money. So uh, if you want to help offset that, uh, you can as well. Uh, to all our online guests that are with us today, let me say thank you for being with us. If you're joining online, uh, we welcome you to church today as well. Uh, Brother Randy did mention it uh, earlier. Uh, next Saturday, the 24th, we will have Brother Robert uh, Chambers' his, uh, homegoing service here at the church at 11 a.m. Uh, for his passing. But also we received a call this morning that Sister Colleen Antley, which is the mother of Sister Deborah Wolf, had, had transitioned to heaven. And, uh, and so her funeral services will be this week. Uh, at the Carnes Crossroads Church of God, uh, probably Thursday or Friday is what we're looking at right now. So uh, Miss Ann will probably be contacting some of you here shortly uh, just to help. We are going to go in with Carnes Crossroads together and together work on doing the food and stuff together and tag team this together uh, as Sister Deborah is a part of our church family 
and Sister Colleen was a part of Pastor Williams and the Carnes Crossroads Church family. We're going to do this thing together. Also, uh, let me say a special thank you to uh, Brother Henry, Brother Dennis, uh, Tana, Brandon. Um, I don't know who all was here, but they got the rest of the lighting system in in the foyer and in the Welcome Center done yesterday. They worked tirelessly. Sister Tina and Miss Dale and some others yesterday worked on getting some things organized in the back in our kitchen area to make sure we were ready for the, 25th, uh, the 30th celebration on the 25th. So all kinds of stuff has been happening. So can we just give all of them a hand of appreciation for what they did this weekend to get us up and running? Uh, I had a funeral yesterday. Continue to pray for Brother Jimmy and his family as uh, the home going of his brother was yesterday. So I wasn't here to be able, able to be here as much as I would have liked to have been yesterday. Uh, but I appreciate all of their efforts as well. Also, uh, there is a questionnaire out there on the communion t- on the uh, Welcome Center Connection Center table. Uh, we, as the council, have discussed with, along with myself. Every according to our bylaws, we are every so often supposed to at least have elections for council members. It's in our bylaw minutes of the Church of God, but also in our church, Santee Circle. The the original founding members set up a bylaw structure of of where we need to have votes and rotations if there are eligible people. And so uh, we are by no means uh, are saying that the council that currently serves has not been doing an effective and a wonderful job. They have been. But we have to make sure we stay within bylaws. And so we're asking you to, if you're interested in serving uh, on the council, uh, the pastor's uh, council, and, and, and be a part of that, there's a questionnaire out there that we need you to pick up, fill out, and turn, return back to us so we know who to put on the ballots, who's interested, who's not interested, who may or may not. If you don't turn it in, you don't go on the ballot. So it's just that simple. So we needed to know, um, you know, the Church of God is, uh, it is not gender specific uh, in terms of that. Uh, The Church of God allows for for women and men to serve on the pastor's advisory board and council. Uh, And so we will have the let the church speak. So we'll have the questionnaire. Whoever turns those in, we'll put them on a ballot. We'll have a church vote, and we will sit down with the, the current sitting council. We'll go over those votes. They'll count them. They'll tabulate them, and we'll come back and say, here's the council, and here's who we voted for. Do you accept their nominations, et cetera, so on and so forth, and we'll move in from that direction. So if you're interested, it's just one page. It's not long. It just asks your name, your date, things like that, and just ask you a couple questions that are right out of the Church of God minutes. There are certain questions we have to ask because they have to apply within the church minutes. And so please look over that, and uh, if you're interested, let me know and uh, get those turned in to me or, or Miss Carol uh, regarding that. All right, let's uh, break the bread of life. Uh, please be praying for camp meeting for all the pastors and, and, and staff that will be traveling this week to Malden for Church of God camp meeting, that it will be a great week as well. Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse number 2. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to piggyback off the scripture we read last week, but go a little bit further into the scripture of which we read last week to kind of help us stay on track, if you will, where we're headed. Acts chapter 2, verse number 2, and we're going to read down to verse number 4 today. And then suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were seated. Then there appeared unto them divided, or some translations will say cloven, tongues likened unto fire. It looked like fire to them. And it sat upon the heads of all of them. So everybody observing saw these 
these divider cloven tongues that rep looked like fire upon the early apostles. And those that were there, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with a heavenly language or another tongue as the Holy Spirit initiated or gave them utterance. It was all initiated by the Holy Spirit, orchestrated by the Holy Spirit, and only brought about by the Holy Spirit. We've been on a series entitled Ignited, and today I want to talk to you just on this simple title, It's Still Burning. I don't think the Holy Spirit outpouring manifestation was a sensationalist gift. You say, what is that word? That's a big word. That means I don't believe it ceased in Acts chapter 2. Now, there are some denominations, some teachers will say that that's a sensationalist gift. It happened to birth the early church, and then he kind of went dormant. I don't believe God goes dormant. I think God's always alive. I don't believe that God says, well, I'll do it for such a time as this, and the rest of the time you're on your own, figure it out from here. How can you have a comforter that abides with you and stays with you and reveals the Word of God to you, but he's not going to still be an active work in your heart and in your life? I still believe the Holy Spirit still burns in our hearts. I read it to you in the first week of our reading, and, and when we started talking in week one, it was like a fire shut up. The prophet Jeremiah said it was like a fire shut up in my bones. When I didn't even want to say his name, I couldn't stop because he was there. I still believe the Holy Spirit still burns in the hearts of the believers. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach your unadulterated word. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may decree and declare the words of the Lord. Father, I pray that you would open eyes, hearts, and ears, and that we would only hear from the heavenly host above. I pray that you would allow the Spirit to just come down right now and saturate us and resonate with us and abide with us and confirm your word in our midst today. And for that, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And together, the people of God said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated, if you can, in the presence of the Lord. All right, it's still burning. I started thinking about how to finish, if you will, this, this three-week series on Ignited. I tell you, we go three weeks into this, and I was trying to figure out the culmination. If you remember, the first week we talked about there was a setting of Pentecost, where it happened. We read out of Acts chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one place. They were in Jerusalem. They were tarried together. They were, they were there. That was verse 1. But then I told you last week that there was a sound that came with Pentecost. It said, and there suddenly came, we read it today and we read it last week, there suddenly came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it appeared, it, just, it, was, a, it was an audible, it was a sound. It was like a, 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 a tornadic uh, windstorm or a hurricane. I mean, they heard the breath of God blow in the house. They, they heard the Spirit come into the room. But today we're going to talk, thirdly, of this week, about there were certain signs or sights. Pentecost. Yes, there was a setting. It happened in Jerusalem. One place, one mind, one accord. There was a sound, that wind, that rushing mighty wind. But there were sights. We read it. There appeared unto them divided or cloven tongues as of fire that set upon each of them. It was an audibly visible representation of the Spirit of God walking into the room. Can I tell you, we may not always see true cloven tongues of fire above heads of individuals in church, but can I tell you that if we get in the right setting with the Holy Ghost, in one mind and in one accord and unity, if we make sure we get in the right setting 
and we get in prayer together and we fast together, then we can hear a sound from heaven together like that rushing mighty wind. And we may not see cloven tongues of fire appear, but you'll see sights because there'll be signs and miracles and diverse signs that will follow the believer. We'll see the outward manifestation with the sound and the sights of the pouring of the Holy Spirit. We can still see the Holy Spirit move amongst the body of Christ with our own eyes. We can have a sound. We can have a sight if we're in the right setting. I've always been intrigued by the concept of fire. It is, to me, it's an amazing and a marvelous thing to try to wrap your mind around. Fire is actually a visible effect of the process of combustion, a type of chemical reaction. It occurs when oxygen in the air and some sort of fuel are together and those products form a chemical reaction that are completely different from the starting material. The fuel is then heated to its what they call ignition temperature and it starts a combustion. The reaction will keep going as long as there's enough heat, fuel, and oxygen. If you take out the oxygen, the fire dies out. If you remove the heat, the fire can die out. If you remove the fuel, the fire will die out because it is known as what they call a fire triangle. All three components have to be together. When I was reading that, I got a little excited because I remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formed and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered upon the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. I started thinking, Well, God the Father, in the beginning, God created. Here's the Father. Then there was a great void, and it said, The Spirit of the Lord hovered above the waters. That's God number two, if you will, the Holy Spirit. And it said, God said, Let there be. That's the spoken word. Well, who's that? Well, that's Jesus, because John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when you put God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit together, you create a fire triangle if you put God as the center of your heart and you let Jesus Christ be the redeemer of your soul and you let the Holy Spirit come in and usher in his ability you create a triangle called the Holy Trinity and when you put those three elements together you can't have God the Father without God the Son you can't have God the Holy Spirit without God the Father they all three go together in order for a fire to work you got to have fuel you got to have heat then you got to have the oxygen in order for the life of the believer to work you've got to have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you want to survive the world that we're living in today, you better get a triangle in your life. You better get a fire triangle where all three workings of the Holy Spirit of God is in your life. It creates a triune being. Fire is a rapid oxidation of material, the fuel, in an exothermic chemical process. It releases heat light, and various reactionary products. At a certain point, the combustion reacts. It is called the ignition point or ignited. It, the fire has become ignited. You ever notice when you go, my wife and I sometimes and her family will go camping, but others of you have probably done this if you have an old-timey fireplace. You can stick the paper, you can stick the wood, you can stick everything in there, and you can light the match. But you ever had the match not light? It didn't catch it on fire? You, you had fire come off the stick, but you stuck it in there, and then it just smoldered out. You know what it didn't do? It didn't ignite. It never reached the ignition point. That's why sometimes people will blow in there, 
around the coals and the embers. They're trying to get it to reach an ignition point. Because once the ignition point happens, there's something visible that happens. You can't see the oxygen. You know, when you have embers of a fire, you can still feel the heat of those embers after a fire smolders out for a while. It'll still be hot. You go over there and pick up that hot ash, you'll find out it's still hot. There's still heat. There's, there's, there's still oxygen in the air. But when all three of those things happen together and the ignition point happens, the way you know the fire is going to work is there's something visible you see. We call it a flame. That's when you know I can move the match out. I can stop playing with the igniter. I don't have to worry about having to keep flicking the switch and lighting it and lighting it, see if I'm going to get any fuel. Eventually, I see a flame. That is the visible sign that something is moving. See, I can click all day, nothing happens, but at a certain point when all of those elements, the oxygen's in the room, Brother Larry, the fuel that's down in here, and the stuff that's inside, eventually it's going to create a flame. It lets me know all three parts are working together. It's there. It creates the flame. And we see the flame. We see that beautiful bottom of the flame that oftentimes is more of a whitish color. Then as you slowly move up the flame, it gets a little bluish in nature. And by the time you get to the top or the pinnacle of the flame, you have this nice amber-orange or burnt orange color, and it's beautiful. The hottest part is not the orange. It's that blue and white level at the very bottom. That's the hottest part of that fire. And I tell you that when the Holy Spirit starts to work into our lives, He'll produce in us something visible that people can see. They'll know you've been with God because they'll see that you've been with God. And the closer, the hottest part of the fire is not the top. It's the part that's closest to the base. The further you are away from God, the less hot you are for the kingdom of God. But the closer you stay to God, the hotter you'll stay for the kingdom of God. The closer you walk in line with his, spirit, with his Spirit, the closer you walk in alignment of His Word, the closer you walk in prayer and fasting, the closer you are to God, the hotter you are as a person of faith. But when you start drifting away and you're on the outer fringes, you may still have a flicker of a flame, but you're not near as hot as one day when you were at the base with God one-on-one. I started thinking about that. I thought, well, Lord, what does that mean? You know, that flame is consistent of carbon dioxide, water, vapor, oxygen, and nitrogen. And I started reading Acts 2 again to finish this series, and I began to see throughout this scripture that God gave us visible signs, or a visible sight, if you will, of Pentecost. So if you just give me a few minutes, I'm going to walk you through a couple things I saw, things that I read in scriptures that, that I believe that were visual sights you could see of Pentecost. The very first thing, we're talking about it still burning. The very first thing I saw is the Bible says there were presence of tongues. It said, there appeared unto them cloven or divided tongues as likened unto a fire, and it set upon them. That means somebody saw something in the room. For Luke and those that were helping write the gospel or write the account in Acts chapter 2, somebody in that upper room noticed something was going on in the upper room. Can I tell you that sinners can come to church, but when God starts moving, nobody has to tell them they'll recognize when he walks into the room. 
God makes himself known by his very presence walking into. You may not audibly or physically see him with your own eyes. You may not audibly hear him every time. But I'm telling you, sometimes you'll feel like a little bit of wind that goes by and it's not the air conditioning. Something comes over you, you can't explain. It wasn't that the air conditioning kept on, current on. It's not that we've got a draft in the building. Sometimes you may not always see him, but when he walks into the room, you feel him when he passed by. You know he's been in the room. You know, he's there. The disciples had waited 50 days. 380 of their family members had bailed on them. They're down to 120 people. The past 10 days have spent, have been seeming like an eternity. But this day was different. Something was different in the atmosphere. As they worshipped, the sights of Pentecost became visible. They saw COVID tongues as a fire. I'm telling you that our churches should hunger again for those tongues of fire to fill our lives. You say, well, Pastor, what? You want to see fire open somebody's head? No, I'm not just saying I need to see it over above their head, but I want to know it's burning in their heart because I'm telling you when the Holy Spirit comes in, the Bible says you'll be witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, meaning you'll be a witness. You'll go out there. You let somebody get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Hell hath no fury like that person because when they walk out of this church, they're going to every drug-addicted place, drug they're going to every drunkard. They're going to every. They'll stand in Walmart and pray for you, lay hands on you, take a whole bottle of anointing oil. They'll base you better than fried chicken and Crisco. They'll dunk it on you, don't care anything about you, because there's something inside of them. But the longer they stay in this thing of faith, the more they start. Well, I don't want to know what people think about me, and I'm a little afraid. They might think I'm one of them holy rollers. They might think I'm one of them tongue talkers. They might. Who gives a care what they think about you? The Bible says if we're ashamed of Him before men, He'll be ashamed of us before His heavenly. Father, I'm telling you, I'm not ashamed that we are Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed that the flame is still on the side. If I didn't want to be that, I'd get out of it. I have nothing against any other denomination, but I am what I am because God gave me a feeling of a spirit that I can't explain with a heavenly language that I cannot get away from. And I'm telling you that if you have the spirit of Almighty God, you need to let it be flamed again. You need to be cut Pendled again. We need it to be birthed again because what we need is an outpouring of His Spirit again in our church. Somebody needs to fan the flame. Somebody needs to get the embers burning. Somebody needs to rekindle the fire. We need His Spirit to blow again. That's what we need. However, in order for tongues of fire to come and to maintain, there's a key ingredient. The Holy Spirit, I have said it multiple times, not come for your enjoyment. He came for your employment. He didn't come to give you some super spiritual, if you will, higher power so that you could go around bragging to everybody how more advanced you are spiritually. That's not what the Holy Spirit's all about. That's called arrogance. And the Bible says that pride goes before destruction and the Holy Spirit before the fall. So that ain't got the Holy Spirit at all because the Holy Spirit is the one who is a man of decency and in order he doesn't do things in pride. But in order for the Holy Spirit Globin tongues as a fire and and that to maintain and the power of Pentecost. There's a, a key ingredient. And we see this in this story. The 120 men and women in that upper room are praying together. As they're praying together, they are beginning to seek God and they're hungry. The Bible says they are filled with the Holy Spirit. A cloven tongue as a fire. They began to do it. But there's people outside. They're confused. They don't understand. 
I'm going to tell you, sometimes one of the things I think we've done the worst job at in Pentecostal circles is we're so super spiritual in terms of we just want to have this ecclesia, this glossia moment where we just speak in tongues all the time and have this prayer language. And I've been to conferences where the guy will get up and he'll say, I want everybody to stand up and speak in your prayer language. Well, let me just pause here for a moment. When you preach, you can tell this story any way you want to, but, but since I'm the guy that's signed today, I'm going to tell you my way. You can disagree with me. We, you and I can sit in the office together and debate. You can come with all your scriptures all you want to, and if you can prove it, I will say, great, that's great, but you're not going to change my mind because I've already established it in my heart. It's kind of like always be ready to give it a, a defense and account. I already have settled this in my heart. The Holy Spirit is not a light switch. You don't flip him on when you want him and turn him off when you don't. He's not a light switch. Now, you disagree, come by my office, we'll go to coffee, my treat, and I'll tell you you're wrong, my treat. But uh, he's not a light switch. So when you tell somebody on Sunday morning, I tell you what, we just had a pra good praise and worship service, and you crack a joke saying, you know, rose are red, violets are blue, what did you dress like, I don't know, you too, whatever, and you try to make somebody laugh on Sunday morning, and then you say, now everybody stand up in your prayer language and let's worship God. Something's wrong, that's not how that works. Because what you're doing is you're putting it as you're the one that's in control, not the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not saying that the Spirit of God can't move any time, any place, any moment he wants to, but he doesn't need your approval to do so. And I don't believe that you can just flip him on whenever you want. You know, you got these super spiritual people. I've seen them. They're walking around town, and they see that Duke mayonnaise is buy one, get one free, so they start speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit don't care about Duke's mayonnaise. He don't even eat mayonnaise. He's a spirit. He don't eat mayonnaise. He don't care. He don't speak in tongues because it went buy one, get one free. And I think in our Pentecostal circles, we've done a disservice, and the reason a lot of nominal places and other people are so apprehensive to the Spirit of God is because they're confused because we haven't done a good job explaining the Spirit of God to them. They see all these people just tongue-talking, doing all this crazy stuff, but they see them being rude to the waitress. They're confused. They see them come in church blabbing and tabbing it and spelling E-D-D-I-E and tying bow ties and buying Honda cars and speaking in all these languages that they can't even understand, but then they go out to Gilligan's at the dock and they get ticked off because the tea didn't get there fast enough and the person's confused. You just were speaking in tongues, but now you're speaking in, in the flesh and being rude and they're confused by that. Or they hear them start cussing at the job on Tuesday. Well, if the Holy Spirit's in your life, you shouldn't be cussing. Let me go ahead and just throw that out there. If the Holy Spirit's in your life, you shouldn't be drinking. They, I'm, well, well, Pastor, I just have a social drink. No, the Holy Spirit don't socially drink. He's a, he's a, he's a total abstinent. You don't drink. You, the Holy Spirit don't want to share your heart. He wants all of your heart. So if anything else is taking your heart, he's going to move out. So, so you know, I just, I just, I just socially drink. I, I just, I occasionally from time to time, I just let a word slip out from time to time. Well, you need to go back and get sanctified because that will help you get those words from slipping out from time to time. Apparently, you missed a step. I'm not saying people don't make mistakes. I'm just telling you that sometimes when you may, it shouldn't be a consistent, habitual situation where every time somebody says something, you just drop a bomb here and you drop a bomb there. I'm telling you when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you're going to act different, talk different, walk different, dress different, live different, and be different by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything will be different. The reality of it is, I don't believe he's a light switch. You can't just do that. So what do you do? What is what is needed? Well, all these people out there are confused, just like today. People probably will watch a service like this, and if someone's speaking in tongues, I'll probably get 30 emails that say, what happened in church? Well, I'm going to explain it to you. Because what we do at Pentecostal circles, we just speak in tongues, and we send everybody home and say, hey, wasn't it a wonderful service? The pastor didn't preach. Wasn't God good? No, that's not how that works. 
That's how we've done it in Pentecostal circles. If we can get about three people to speak in tongues and run the aisles in heaven's jubilee, maybe we can get the pastor not to preach today. We ain't got to listen to him talk for 35 minutes or 40 minutes. So some, we just need to pray that the Holy Ghost will move so everybody can just get out of church early with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will let us out at 12.15 instead of the pastor letting us out at 12.30. So let's hope that the Holy Spirit moves. Well, you shouldn't have went to the early church because you'd have been, man, a mess. Because at 9 o'clock in the morning, they are drunk, the Bible said. And most people would have said, didn't we have a Holy Ghost service? Pastor, we need to just go on. Peter said, no, you need to sit down and shut up. I'm going to preach. That's what Peter said. Go back and read it. This is your Bible. I didn't make this. Peter didn't say, well, the Holy Spirit came. Let's go to Gilligan's. He said, no, I'm going to tell you what just happened. Sit down. You know, in most Pentecostal circles, if you had somebody speak in tongues and worship the Lord, and it got about 12:15, and the Spirit's moving, and, and it starts to slowly dwindle down, and the preacher said, all right, now it's time for me to preach. Half of y'all would walk out of this building because you got dinner plans. But in the early church, they didn't leave. He had a message. Because the only way for the presence of tongues to can still happen is you got to preach Jesus. You have got to make sure that everybody knows why the Holy Spirit's in the room. Because if you don't, there are going to be people in the room who going to be confused as what's going on because they don't know who is this Holy Spirit. That's like, that's like when Peter and them went to Cornelius' house. They asked him, he said, we don't even know who this Holy Spirit is. He said, well, let me tell you all about him. Some people don't know who he is, but if you tell them Jesus, Jesus will introduce the Holy Spirit to them. What did Peter do? He said, sit down. i got something I want to say. He had a captive audience. Where are they going to go? They're in this big room, one line, we'll go, there's people everywhere outside. He stands over the balcony of the house. He starts out like this. How many of you think everybody out here is drunk? Let me see your hand. Of course, I'm sure thousands of hands raised. How many of you think there's some Looney Tunes in here, some crazy people going on around here? People from Cappadocia and all these other regions of the world probably thought, yeah, I ain't never seen no Jewish people like this foolish before. And Peter said this, he said, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Who gets drunk this early? But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Even upon the maidservants and handmaidens of the Lord will I pour out my spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you Jesus Christ, the same one you crucified. The same one just 50 days ago you laid in a borrowed tomb. The same one you said crucify. The same one you said no. He resurrected from the ground. And he's now ascended back into the Father. And he prophesied. He'd send us a comforter. And this is that which he spoke about. The comforter has come. This is the spirit of almighty God. And he preached Jesus to that church. You know how you know he did the right job, right thing at the right time? Because <laughs> when he preached, people responded. There is a difference between dreams and visions. Dreams are oftentimes drifts of imagination Hoping that it comes to reality. Visions are efforts that affect change. Peter said, I'm going to preach it. Then he said, now here's the question. What are you going to do now with Jesus? Fifty some odd days ago, 53 or so days ago, you hung him on a cross. You watched him die. You crucified him. You can go to that tomb right out there in that garden area where Joseph of Arimathea bought. You can go out there, go in there and look. You ain't going to find him there because he's not there. So what are you going to do with him now? The 
Bible said 30,000 people lifted their hands and said, I'm going to serve him. I remind, when I was studying this last night, I began to think of that old song, I'll not turn my back on him now. He's given to me everything I have. He gave me my first breath. Those 3,000 people said, I might have said crucify him the first time, but I'll give him my last because I'll not turn my back on him now you say preacher you don't know what I've done in my life I don't care what you've done you might your first breath he gave you as a baby you might have been living in sin but I'm telling you if you're in this building today and you're still breathing you can give him your last breath you might have said crucify him in your heart for many years but today you can say he is king of kings and he is lord of lords and he's alpha and omega the beginning and the end you listen to this preacher today I'm telling you Jesus still is the way the truth and the life no one comes into the father but by him if we preach Jesus the people will receive Respond to his call. That's the call of the church still today. What are you going to do with Jesus? Peter said you must repent and be baptized. And they said let's do it. Let's do it. You know it had to be the Holy Ghost. You know they weren't church of God. They must have been a different form of Pentecost. Because they weren't worried about time. Because they got preached to. Then they got. They came to the altar and repented. Then they got baptized. Then they asked, could they join the church on the same Sunday? In the church of God circles, we say, it's already 12:15. Can we take them in next Sunday? Because my green beans are scorching on the, on the stove. Not them. They said, I'm not leaving this place until I'm part of the family of God all the way through the family of God. I'm not walking out of here until I know every dot, every line has been crossed, every dot's been done. I'm not leaving until I know that I know that I know I'm going. They covered it all. After Peter preached Jesus, you see, we saw the presence of tongues. And he explained it, the preaching of Jesus, but then when Peter got done, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit came back again. He came down for round two. The power of the Spirit blew back through the room. How do you know? Well, we know that 3,000 people made professions of faith. We know in Acts 1, they said, wait until you would be endued with power from on high. The word power is the word called dunamis. It literally means power, strength, miracle, or miraculous working strength or power. Do anybody know how many people were in the upper room? Anybody? Somebody said it. Who said it? 120. Do you know that in the New Testament, the word dunamis is used exactly 120 times in the New Testament. One for every person in that room. Can I tell you there might be 50-something people in this room, but God's got a special word for every one of you. Just like 120 people said, God, I'm here. And he said, well, I'm going to give you a dunamis, a dunamis, a dunamis, a dunamis, a dunamis. A dun I'm gonna give Can I tell you, I don't know where you're at today, but I'm telling you, God's got a word for you. If you'll just open your eyes and your hearts to Jesus, God's got a word for you. I don't think it's coincidental. I think God always has a word for his people. A rhema word, a right now word. That dunamis is the same word where we get our word in the English language, dynamite. Dynamite. We know how powerful dynamite can be. The wind blew through Pentecost. We need Pentecost to become evident again and obvious. We have too many, too many cover, underground, clandestine Pentecostals, even in the church of God. Mark chapter 16 tells us that signs will follow the believers. They'll lay hands on sick. They'll recover. They'll cast out 
demons and devils, meaning evil, combat it in his name. They'll speak with new languages or tongues. They'll have deadly things come lie their dwelling, but it won't harm them. Can I tell you there are churches today that if they were put on trial for claiming to be Pentecostal, they would be found not guilty by the charges. What a shame. What a false advertisement. Oh, we have the breath, the Spirit of God. We're Pentecostal. We have the breath of God. And they come and they don't even feel a puff of the Spirit, much less a whiff or a gift or a, a, a mighty rushing wind. They don't even get a, a breeze of the Spirit when they come in the room. We have failed. Many churches haven't seen people saved in so long. They haven't seen homes or marriages put back together. They haven't seen someone delivered from bondage. We go through routines and motions to just pad our spiritual status. What happened to us being the Holy Spirit-empowered church? I read a story of a young missionary by the name of Herbert Jackson. He was given a car to help him in his missionary work. The car was a major asset, but it had one difficulty. It would not start without a push or a jump start. Mr. Jackson devised a system to cope with this car's inability to start. When he would be ready to leave his home in the missionary compound, he would go to the nearby school and he'd ask for permission to take some of the young schoolboys out of class and they would help push his car to get it to start. Once it started, throughout the day, he would always be careful to park on a hill or leave the engine running so that when he stopped for short visits, it would not shut off. For two years, this young missionary used what he believed was this ingenious method to enable him to use this car. When, poor, when his health failed him and forced Mr. Jackson to leave the field, a new missionary arrived to lead the mission. When Mr. Jackson was there explaining to the new missionary his methods for starting the car and was going to leave it with this young man and say this is where mode of transportation, the young man began to ask questions to Dr. Jackson and said, can I please look under the hood of the car? He said, sure. The young man opened the hood of the car and he said, why, Dr. Jackson, I think you have been gravely mistaken these years. The only trouble with your car is that there is a cable that's come loose. He, gave, he put the cable back on, gave a nice twist turn to it, and pushed the switch and the engine roared to life. For two years, Dr. Jackson had used his own devices and endured needless trouble. The power to start the car was always there the entire time. But something had just gotten disconnected. The power of the Holy Spirit has been available for the church of the living God all the time. But some of us have just got disconnected. Some of us used to feel his power, but some of us, our cables have come a little loose. The cares of life have, have caused us to corrode and to rust a little bit. Some of us need to take some spiritual baking soda and some spiritual Coca-Cola and pour on the terminals of our lives and allow that erosion and that rust and that decay to melt away so that the Spirit of Almighty God can connect himself back to us because the power has been there all the time. We just have to stay connected to the power source. The Holy Spirit is not powerless. We just have to be connected. And then I noticed, Miss Carol, as you begin to make your way. After the Spirit moved, there came the persecution of the preachers. The government didn't like this. Whew. Hello, preacher. Welcome to the United States of America. I know this is said in biblical times with 
the Jewish people, but this could really go to the United States today. The religious elite didn't like it. They summoned Peter and John into a closed Senate council meeting. It'd be like going to the House of Representatives being called to testify before the Senate Judiciary They start doing like we see on C-SPAN, that you didn't do, you know, Senate Judiciary Committee. Now, Mr. So, Mr. Peter, do you realize that by speaking this gospel, you're causing unrest in our communities? Do you, do, do you agree to those charges? I yield the floor to my colleague, and another guy would say, Mr. John, do you realize this propagandizing you're doing? We could, write, we could get you on grounds of treason. What do you have to say for your defense? They ended up putting him in jail while they figured out what they were going to do with him. Go back and read in Acts 2 and 3. They would put him in jail. They bring him back out and they said, here's what we're going to do. You better stop preaching about him or it's going to get bad for you. So boys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let you get off with a little wrist slap this time. I know you guys say you don't care, but I'm telling you, man, you better not let us hear you preach Jesus again. Yes, sir, thank you for your time. I love the unmitigated gall of Peter. He might have been the one that said, Jesus, I won't let you, uh, you know, die and all this stuff, but I, I love his, his tenacity. He walks right out of there. He goes back to church and starts preaching again like, I dare you to do something to me now. He goes right back, does what he's accused of. 5,000 people come to know Jesus Christ. 5,000 this time. Peter and John kept talking about him. They finally were asked, they were brought back in again. This time, they just didn't imprison him. The Bible said they flogged them. They beat them. They beat them, gorged them, and said, we told you if you didn't keep your mouth shut, it was going to get bad, and you hadn't done it. So they beat the brains out of them, basically. Gamil steps up and says, guys, listen. You know, remember that one guy, he thought he was something special, and he led a revolt. You remember how that died out? You remember how so-and-so, they thought they were going to do something, but it didn't last but a couple weeks, and it died just let these men get it out of their system. You know it's going to die off eventually. It just, it'll die. Ain't no point killing them. Ain't no... So they flogged them. They beat them and sent them away. Their bots are exposed. They have been beaten with rods. They have been beating uh, with whips. They are exposed flesh. They have been beaten. And the Bible said they counted it pure joy to be able to say they suffered for the cause of Jesus Christ. They, they were happy about it. You can't find nobody today that likes to be discomfortable or be discomforted or have any kind of uncomfortability in their lives. These men were beaten and said, praise the Lord. You can't even get people to be discomfortable in church and they're mad. These were beaten people. Can I tell you that today we have too many churches afraid what will happen to them if they preach Jesus. You do realize, though, that Jesus is also a judge, a jury, an executioner, and a senator. He's not just a compassionate Savior. Churches are cowering down to religious groups, government agencies, 
that are being threatened that if they preach against homosexuality, transgenderism, woke ideologies, they will revolt their statuses. They'll say, people are cowering down in fear. Being afraid that worse things could happen to them than what's happening now. May I remind us that we cannot compromise the unadulterated Word of God no matter what the cost. We cannot change His Word. We cannot cower down. We cannot acquiesce to the pressures of man. We must preach Jesus. We must preach the cross. We must preach against sin. We must preach against hell. We must preach against not wavering. We must keep preaching Jesus no matter the cost. And then I finalize, I finish with this. We find the prayers of the saints. They get arrested. They go out after this encounter. Peter and John go to the temple. They're on their way to the temple. They see a man that's lame on the side of the road. Begging for money. Peter said, what's the matter? He said, man, I just want a little bit of money. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I'll give to you. If I give you a little money, all it's going to do is just get you by one more day in the status that you're in. It's just going to keep aiding and abetting your behavior. But if I get you up on your feet and walk, you can get a job and it'll change your life. Today might change your situation for today, but if you get up off of this beggar's road, it'll change your life. God's not interested in just barely getting you by. God's interested in changing your life. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man walks up again, praising God. Peter begins to preach and admonish them again. Peter and John are arrested again. Peter and John speak. They begin to tell their boldness. While all this is happening, a group of church people get together. Mr. Tanner, if you'll get ready to go on the Bible out there for me to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to get you to pull up verse 31 here in a minute. A bunch of church people got together while all this was happening, and they decided they're going to have prayer meetings. Anybody even remember what prayer meetings are like? We don't even have those anymore. They decide they're going to have prayer meetings. As they begin to pray, something starts to begin to move. They're in one place again, just like Acts 2. They're in one place, one mind, one accord, praying together, asking God to come, lifting up Jesus. But something happens. You have it for me? Acts 4.31. Watch what happens in the room. When they prayed, the place where they were together began to shake. Notice Acts chapter 2 happening all over again. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with I don't know how many was in there but there was a lot more in there because the Bible said they came to pray together we already know 3,000 got saved 5,000 more I don't know if there was 5,000 8,000 10,000 all I know is when they all got in one mind in one accord and got together the Holy Ghost showed up and they had church the building began to quake the floors began to shake the foundations of man-made traditions were being moved and displaced. The, mo- the monotony of church was disfurnished. Things were changing in the atmosphere. Can I tell you today, prayer changes things. Prayer sets the tone for the move of the Spirit. Prayer and praise together allows the Holy Spirit to show up in a powerful way. God is still filling His people with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.39, for the promises for you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. God is still calling us today 
to pray the prayers that produce Pentecost. He wants to provide power and purity and praising in the house. May God help us to pray the prayers that produce the blessings of Pentecost. May we be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5 and 18. May, us, may we be ignited with a flame so that we can decree and declare the Lord, He is still burning in our hearts. Before I go to a prayer, I'm going to re- say this scripture and I'm, uh, and I'm going to pray. I'm, remember, I'm re- reminded of this story. Luke chapter 24, I believe, is where it's found. Two men are on their way walking to Emmaus. Jesus speaks with them. Jesus disappears after he breaks the bread. But they make a statement. A statement that don't misread. And this is what they said. Oh, how did our hearts burn as he spoke. Oh, may God today in someone's heart and life has the spoken word has been given today. Oh, how may your heart be set aflame again and burn. Because the flames and the embers of Pentecost are being ignited in your heart and life again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm simply going to ask two questions. One, is there anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and the full pardoning of their sin and would like to be saved today? If you don't know Him, would you slip up your hand and let's pray the prayer of faith together? Are there any? I don't want to make to assume anyone is saved or not saved. Amen. My last question is this. I want to know how many people would say, Pastor, I want you to help me pray for the Spirit of God to fan the flame again. I want to pray that the Spirit of God would burn in my heart again. The embers, the fire of the Holy Spirit would just make, make resonance in my heart. I want the Spirit to be alive inside of me again. If you believe that, will you just lift your hand? Where are you? You want to hear the flame? Hallelujah. Praise Him. Praise Him. Thank you, church. Hallelujah. God bless you. I'm going to ask you to stand all over the house and I'm going to pray pray over you today before we pray our closing prayer dismissed today. But if you truly mean that, those of you that raised your hand, that you want the flame to burn again, you need that fire triangle. You need to pray to God the Father. You need to believe in the works of God the Son. And you need to surrender your heart and life and your willpower to God the Holy Spirit in this place. Heavenly Father, in the solemnity and secrecy of this moment, I have committed this message into the loving arms of Jesus Christ, my Lord. There are men and women under the sound of my voice right now that have raised their hand and decreed and declared that they want the Spirit of God to burn again in their hearts. They want the flame of Pentecost. They want the the life-giving flow of Pentecost to be made manifest in their heart and life again. Father, in this moment, I pray you fan the flame Rekindle the fire. Ignite it. Set it ablaze in their hearts so they can truly say, Oh, how does our heart burn again for the presence and the power of Pentecost and the Spirit of God. Father, I pray may you bless us and keep us. May you make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. God, our hearts until you come again. Lord, let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and blessed Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And before you dismiss today, I'm going to ask Brother Randy to close a, a, out with a prayer of blessing over you today. God bless you. No service tonight. There will be a PM, uh, There will be a Wednesday night service Bible study on Wednesday night at 7, but no service tonight. Brother Randy, would you pray today? God bless you.
kind of heavenly.